0: hi everybody and welcome back to the real real podcast with me natalie barbu today's episode i am interviewing shanae alexander and if you guys don't know who she is she is the podcast host of press send podcast and what's really funny is that press send was probably the first or second maybe third but i will say i think it was in the top two Podcasts that I have ever listened to prior to starting mine. Before I started my own podcast, I was actually listening to a ton of other podcasts because I wanted to see the different styles, how the hosts, you know, presented themselves, what people talked about, and it was kind of doing research. But then I instantly got hooked, and Shanae's podcast was one of the very first ones. So I love the Press Send podcast and i also just am a huge fan of her content too she is a social entrepreneur content creator and a podcast host like i said and we talk about the realities of being a content creator body image confidence putting your life online and a ton of other things so i know that you guys are going to enjoy this episode i also said last week on my 101 episode i'm like 101st episode is that how you say it uh, episode 101 i was mentioning how i wanted to have more of a connection with you guys on this podcast and you know talk a little bit more about my own personal life in the intros just so that you guys can get to know me a little bit more and also just so that i feel like we have more of a community on here because while i feel like my podcast is an excellent resource and i'm very very proud of the guests and the interviews that i have on i feel like the community is lacking because it's kind of just the interview a lot of you are probably like I don't to listen to your life I want to just get into the interview so if that is the case you guys can just skip ahead and get to the interview I will not be offended I promise but I also wanted to just catch you guys up on what I've been up to and let you know you know what I've been doing So, this week was a pretty uneventful week, I would say, besides yesterday, which is very exciting because I got to pick up my car, so I did get a Tesla, which I feel like is the official YouTuber car, but I've just always wanted one, and I think that they're very, very cool, and I know I talked about it on my last episode, but I finally picked it up, and I actually was originally going to get a Model 3, but then last minute kind of changed my mind, and I got a Model Y. I love it. I wanted a bigger car. I just wanted like an SUV big car because my entire life when I did have a car, I had like a four seat car. It was like a two door or one door. It only had two doors on it. It didn't have four doors. So is that considered two door car I think? I might sound so dumb, but yeah. <laughs> It had a two-door car um and it only had four seats it was very very small and crammed so it's definitely an adjustment getting used to a bigger car but i love it i think it's so cool it's so much fun like flooring it when you are on an empty road of course and just like jolting back Like i feel like i'm like flying on a spaceship Um, so that's always fun and then this week if you guys didn't know I do have a puppy his name is Bambino he is actually sleeping right next to me right now he's so cute he always gets these like very like hyperactive modes where he acts so bad like he's biting everyone he's literally like grabbing onto your leg and like trying to attack you he's like eating everything in sight Um, and that usually means he's tired so I brought him here in my room so that he could nap with me while i recorded this because i knew that that's exactly what he needed um but he is actually getting neutered this week so he is getting neutered on friday he is already five months old and the vet kind of was mentioning that he should be getting neutered because he's showing some teenage behavior in her words um so she was like yeah let's just get him neutered right away so at five months we are getting him neutered and i'm so sad because I know that he's gonna be just so sad and uncomfortable and I hope not in too much pain and I'm just not ready for that. I feel always so sad whenever he is like not happy. I feel like I'm actually a mother and I didn't know like this is gonna sound very funny but I feel like you don't know how much you love a dog until you can, you have one for yourself. And I have been getting a few questions on if Bambino is going to come with me to Florida because I am moving on and off to Florida. Like I'll be back and forth from here to Miami, but mainly in Miami and for the next few months. And in the Beginning, he is not going to come with me because he is so hyperactive that I do think he needs a yard, and it's something that I just won't be able to give him in Miami. So my family is very happy, like to take care of him while I'm gone, and I will be back and forth so I could see him. But if eventually I realize that an apartment would be fine for him, then I will be able to bring him down. Um, so it's just gonna be like. I'll be able to see it but I already am like dreading being away from him like I love him so much so I feel like eventually I'm just gonna take him like I'm gonna be like I just need to take him with me because I'm gonna miss him too much but at least like the first few weeks there I don't think I'll be bringing him and it's so funny because I know my mom just wants to keep him also my mom's like no no no, he needs to stay here like you can't take him so we'll see if I eventually end up taking him I think I will because I know that I'm gonna miss him a lot but in the beginning he will be staying with my mom and my family which I think is gonna be too hard I I have a feeling in like two weeks I'm gonna be driving up and being like all right give him to me (laughs) he needs to come with me um so we'll see but I love him so much and it's just I'm like literally staring at him while doing this podcast intro it's like actually like a mother um but anyways that's kind of how my week has gone and I'm so excited to be approaching April because April if you guys didn't know is my birthday month so it is Aries season I love being an Aries I think they are the best fire sign and the best sign in general I might be biased but I don't know I just I think they they have the best characteristics and I'm definitely biased but Yeah, it's Aries season. So uh, my birthday is April 16th and I'm turning 25. I'm about to have my quarter life crisis. So if you guys want any 25 content on the podcast, maybe things I've learned when I turn 25, I think I'll be doing that on my YouTube channel. So if you guys want to see something like that, then definitely go to my YouTube channel so that you guys can be in the know with my (laughs) things I've learned by the time I turn 25 because boy, are there plenty. Um, I love doing those like every year, though something themed for my birthday. I do hope that you guys enjoy this podcast podcast if you guys do enjoy it please 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 be sure to leave a review on apple Podcasts. it really helps my podcast grow it helps it be recommended to other people so be sure to leave five stars if you guys did enjoy this podcast i know that you guys will love it so anyways let's just get into the episode with shanae alexander Real Real Under Podcast. Earnin is a financial technology company, not a bank. Subject to your available earnings, daily max, pay period max and location. See earnin.com/tos for details. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Thank you for being on my podcast. I'm so excited to have you on.
1: I'm so happy to be here. We're also pretending like we didn't just talk for an hour.
0: <laughs> I know. I know. We're like, we logged off of Zoom for five minutes and now we're back and we're like, okay, new, new conversation. We're like, hey, so- hi, how are you, girl? <laughs> exactly. It's like, oh, we haven't talked in forever, but no, we, we had a bathroom break and we're back. So <laughs> I'm but- so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to have you on because if you didn't know, when I first started my podcast, I was trying to listen to other podcasts to see like, why are people listening to podcasts? What's so special about them? (laughs) Like, I didn't know, like, I was not one of those people that like listened to podcasts before I started one. I kind of just started one and made, you know, like came up with it as I went along. But yours was actually one of the very first ones that I had ever listened to. Wow. And you continued? Yes, I love your podcast. You continued to podcast after all that. I feel honored. Thank you. Yeah. For so I was like, "Wait, this is cool." Like she's answering advice, she's having guests on. I was like, "I like this style." So I really did take some inspiration from yours awesome. with like how you interview and all of that. So, yeah, thanks for having quality content. <laughs> oh, well, thank thank you for listening.
1: Hey, content would be nothing without of with eyes and ears on it, right?
0: Right. <laughs> So first we're gonna start into setting the record straight. This is where I ask you some stereotypes, some assumption some assumptions, and then you're gonna let me know what you think of them and if they're true or false. So the first one is social media can be really damaging. True. And false. I think it can be both. Social media is what you make it
1: it to um, like a weapon. So let's say you have an axe, right? So you can either chop down wood to burn a fire to keep your house warm, or you can cut someone's head off with it. So it's all what you make it.
0: I like that analogy. Yeah, because I think it is, it's one of those things that's like, if you're constantly comparing yourself, if you're following the wrong people, you know, yeah, it can be really, really damaging, but you can also, you know, be uplifted on social media and, you know, raise awareness for things on social media. So I agree. It's like a double-edged sword, I think. Totally. And the next one is influencers are entrepreneurs.
1: Yes. I mean, I mean, and so much more. And I'm not just saying that because I'm a content creator, but it's, it's, you have to be 10 things, Mm. you know, and I, I was a marketing director for eight years for a luxury furniture brand. And then I ran my own event planning company. And I will say being a content creator slash influencer is the hardest job of the three.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy though, because people usually think the opposite. People think that being a content creator is so easy. You just take pictures. That's it.
1: Like, (laughs) Oh my God. If it was only taking pictures, life would be so sweet. Honestly. I mean, life is sweet given all the things, but there's a lot that goes into the the work that we do. That is um, the boring unseen parts. Literally. I won't be on stories for like seven hours and people will be like, what were you doing? I'm like, literally um, eating popcorn and answering 500 emails. It's boring.
0: Right. And (laughs) it's hard to delegate because it's you. You're the brand. You You can't really like tell people to post for you or, you know, because because it's, you can't tell people to record a podcast for you. So it's one of those things that it's really a lot on you. Like, yeah, you can have a team and have help, but at the end of the day, you are the one still doing the bulk of the work and the majority of the work. I think it's really hard to be the
1: salesperson, the marketing director, the finance person and the product, right? It's really hard to be every, all of those things. And I think particularly hard to be the product because, you know, feelings get involved, like your, your emotions are involved in the business. So it's not like we can just walk away from, uh, you know, if you worked at a I don't know, applesauce company. You could just walk away from the applesauce at the end of the night and be like, that's my job. But right. when you are the job and you are the product, it's, it's a little bit harder to make those boundaries.
0: Totally. I completely agree. And the next one is you don't have much privacy being on social media. That's a choice.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes I err, like, let me just say this on January 4th of this year, I sharted for the first time in my life. And I chose to share that on social media. So
0: make it what you will. (laughs) Yes. No, it is a choice. So I do, I do agree with that. I think it's easy to, you know, say that you don't have privacy and like, I'm definitely one of those people that will say like, Oh my gosh, it's like, you know, I don't, I feel like I have to share everything, but at the end of the day, I'm the one choosing to share it. So yeah. And also like I think
1: we, we don't realize how, I mean, we're, we're all, I always tell people you're, you're not special, you're significant. And it means like you are important in the grand scheme of things. You are an important part of this world, but you are not special in any way. And, and that's somehow comforting to me as like kind of a sarcastic person, but truly I'm like, you know what? People aren't going to actually die.
0: If I don't tell
1: them what I ate for breakfast,
0: like they're going to live. It's fine. Right, right. It makes us not take our jobs as seriously, which is totally. also a good thing. Yes. And how long have you been a content creator? Or like how long has this been kind of something that you've been doing seriously? Not just like a Facebook page that you have for your friends and family, but like actually taking it seriously and like posting consistently. Like where'd you get your start with that? Um, so it's
1: actually really funny. So I like I said, I was a marketing director for eight years. Um and I had like maybe Two weeks before this all w- went down, the story I'm about to tell you, I my friend Abby worked at ClassPass, which is for those of you who don't know, ClassPass is basically like, it's like a booking system for studio workouts. And so she was like, you like fitness and you like social media. And in that time, I liked social media like anyone else does, just like, mm-hmm. I like looking at dog videos and stuff. But I was like, she was like, there is a position at ClassPass that you should interview for. For a social media person i was like well i don't have any experience in social media but i was like i haven't been on an interview in eight years i was like it's probably good that i go on an interview so it was a phone interview um this is all pre-covid so phone interviews were like very informal and Mm -hmm. i started an instagram account just before the phone interview like like a week before to show that I had an interest in social media and fitness. And so I started out as a fitness Instagrammer. And what was so crazy is I did not definitely did not get the job. She was like, you have no experience and you have 300 followers. I was like, okay. And, <laughs> um, but then two weeks later, fast forward, I was still Instagramming. Cause I was like, found this little fitness community online. And I was like, this is fun. I was like, I love talking to people from all around the world. 300 of them Mm -hmm. about wellness and fitness. And then two weeks later, surprise shorty, uh, I got laid. I got basically fired from my job because my boss said, you're an entrepreneur. You're supposed to go start your own company. So I started an event planning company like that next day. But then I kept posting on Instagram just because I thought it was fun. And then I found myself in 2015 like, oh, my gosh, I'm – I'm, I'm working two jobs. I have an mm-hmm. event planning company and I have a social media business. And so I decided to stop taking event planning clients and focus on social media full-time in 2015. And that was a really interesting, um, pivot. Cause I was doing well at my other job, but you know, got to take a risk and take, take the moment Um, as it was coming. And now I've been doing this for five years. Can't believe I haven't run out of things to say.
0: (laughs) Wait. So when your boss fired you or laid you were laid off and he said that you're meant to be an entrepreneur. Why did he say that? Like, what was, were you like always thinking of new business ideas? Were you like a go-getter in your job where he saw that entrepreneurship spirit in you? Or like, what made him like be like, no, you're, you belong to do like, you need to do something else. I think he just saw my potential
1: to do a lot of things like, Mm -hmm. um, like, oh, I hate the phrase, wear a lot of hats. It's (laughs) that and picking my brain. Those are my two least favorite things that people say. But I was able to fit into a lot of different roles. Like I was helping like creative direct some things. I was doing like major ad campaigns. I was doing the marketing. I was planning events. I was like curating spaces. I was doing all these things. And so I think... When one entrepreneur sees another one, Mm -hmm. they're like, oh, you're my kind, you know, like you don't belong here. You're my kind and you desire, you need to be in the wild, like get out of here. And I think he saw my potential and it really was the best gift because he was like, go be an entrepreneur. I'm going to pay you for two months to go start your own company. And that was actually like the biggest gift anyone's ever given me.
0: Wow. I mean, that's like an investment in you, which is really speaks for itself, which is great. So were you always interested in event planning or like, how did you kind of come up with the idea to be an event planner coming from marketing? So I did plan events
1: at that previous job. I will say this. And I, I tell this advice to everyone who is like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do for a living, or I don't know what my next step is. Cause I think so many people particularly right now are at this, pivotal moment where they're like, what is next for me?
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And I went to some really close friends of mine and I said, and people that I'd worked with. And I said, what are the things that you think I'm really good at? Like, cause I think often we, as people get really, we get really clouded as to what we're actually good at. And we let our insecurities get in the way We get, we let doubt get in the way. And so we're often not really good at seeing what we're good at. And so I, I asked people around me, I said, what are the things that you've seen in my last eight years of work that you think I'm really good at? And my coworker actually said, you always, like, I can tell that when you throw an event, you love bringing people together. And she's like, I can see that's a huge joy for you. And you're really good at it. And so I kind of was like, I do love planning events. I love celebrating people. But what's interesting is I can take that thing she said I was good at, which is bringing people together. And while I don't plan events right now, I'm still bringing people together online.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: So this like skill that someone spoke out in me was the very thing that I I do now two careers later.
0: Yeah. I love the fact that you said that you asked other people because that's something also you might, I mean, you probably also had pressure, like, okay, he told me I need to be an entrepreneur. What, what do I do? Like what, what's next? So I feel like it's good to ask people that you are close with to see, what do you think I'm good at? Like, what should I be going into? Because we often do see ourselves as like, Oh, well that like, we'll take a skill that we have or a strength that we have. And we like brush it aside. We're like, eh, right. everyone has that. And it's like, no, not everyone has that. You know, that's no. something that is something that is unique to you and that you can use to your advantage. So I think that that's really helpful when people are feeling stuck in something that they don't want to be in because we don't really see the strengths in ourselves as strengths. We just see them as like average or everyone else right. has them. So I also, love that. I would also say this
1: really works on a day where you're having like a bad, self-image day mm-hmm. uh, and obviously don't like go on your Instagram story and be like, Oh my God, everyone write in the blank. What you think <laughs> I'm amazing at. But like, Have those core people that when you're having a low self-esteem day, cause we all have them, we all have days where like, I'm the worst. I can't yeah. do anything Right. What am I doing with my life? What am I doing personally? And I think it's really important to have, even if it's just one or two people in your life, That you can say, like, can you speak good things over me? Like, what is, like, what do you see as my value? And it could just be like, oh my God, you're the funniest person I know. Mm -hmm. Or you bring such a light to a room. Whatever it is, I feel like having those people in your life that you can ask for affirmation from and they won't judge you for it is hugely helpful, whether it's in your career or just on a, crappy day.
0: Yeah. And with that, like how did, when you were doing your event planning business, how did you kind of make that leap then to quit that and then do social media full-time? Um, I was working till four in the morning every (laughs) and (laughs) I was literally dying. Um, so instead
1: of passing away from exhaustion, I, you know, I wanted to wait until I was making the same amount of money on social media as I was doing event planning, which, you know, a lot of people would say, Isn't that amazing just to make double? Mm -hmm. And I knew that if I could could say, okay, I can put my full strength, and we were just talking about this on my podcast, but if I can put my full strength and energy toward one thing rather than doing two things half-assed, I'm going to end up making more money. So even though I could be making – in my first year I made – um, $80,000 on social media, right? Like the first year I started actually making money. right? That mm-hmm. took time. Like that's to be clear, that wasn't the first year, but the first year I actually started making money on social media, I made $80,000 event planning and $80,000 on Instagram. And I was like, yeah, sure. I can make 160 next year, but what if I just contained my energy towards one thing. Mm -hmm. And that was the best decision I ever made.
0: Oh yeah. I mean, I can totally relate because I was, so when I graduated college, I went and got like a corporate job, like a traditional job. And I remember feeling so burnt out. I was working on my lunch breaks. I was getting up early. I was staying up late to do it all, like to do YouTube and Instagram and all of this stuff that I like love doing. But I also had this nine to five job that I had to do. My weekends were completely full of just doing YouTube stuff and social. So it was absolutely exhausting. I was miserable. Like I was actually miserable for almost a year. And it was one of those things where I was like, I was, I started making more money on social media at one point than at my corporate job. And that was kind of the switching point where I was like, I am out of here. I'm so done. I need to quit. Like, and it was, again, I was scared of like what people would think about me or what, you know, is this sustainable? Like, what if I don't make this money next year? And since then I've been so fortunate and grateful that my income has grown, you know, because I have, poured my energy into it. And I've decided things that I want to do and things that I like want to add on like my podcast and stuff like that. So I think focusing on that one thing that you do love is going to pay off in the end rather than literally being burnt out and like being so exhausted that you can't do anything when, yeah, you're making double your money, but like you're miserable too. And that doesn't mean that that money won't come later on. And I just want to like,
1: like double say this, it's scary as shit. Oh, hundred percent. (laughs) Yeah. Like, like it's like, we're sitting here on the other side of entrepreneurship on the other side of taking a risk. And it's really easy to be like, Oh yeah, I just, you know, I just felt like if I put my energy towards it, like it would just really work out. And like, it's so easy to say that when you found success and, but I just want to acknowledge and put a pin on the fact that I was scared shitless for the better part of a year when i started my event planning company i was constantly anxious about am i going to be able to like sustain myself am i really cut out for this can i can i make enough money to pay new york city rent all of these things so you know obviously being ahead of the challenge is a lot it's a lot more of a glossy way to talk about entrepreneurship Totally. But it is, it it. there was so much fear that went along with it. So many tears.
0: Oh, yeah. And I mean, even today, like even doing this for a few years now, I'm still like scared to make a big decision. You totally. know, like if I'm, when I made the decision to move back home and I'm like making the decision of what I want to do next, I'm like, I don't, what if this doesn't like last that long, you know? Or what if this, you know, that's still so scary. Like, I'm like, I need to be, so much more diligent with like my savings and my, you know, what yeah. my plan is because I can't just like do things on a whim and then be stuck in a lease. And then what if it doesn't work out? So yeah. it's still scary, like even after you've been doing it for a really long time. What's your sign? I'm an Aries. Okay, interesting. And I think I'm a, so I have two, you know, it's like the rising and mm-hmm, moon. I, I'm not that into astrology, but I know that the three of them, two of them are in Aries. So I know wow. I'm like very, I have a lot of fire energy in me, Mm -hmm. which is very accurate. Whenever I read the description, I'm like spot on. Like everything is just so spot on for me. So I definitely think I'm a big like fire energy person. Yeah, fire sign.
1: I'm a Virgo, so it means I like perpetually torture myself with perfection. So good thing being an Aries.
0: I'm very impulsive. Yeah. I'll say that. I'm very, very impulsive. I love that. I'm scared, but I'm impulsive. I'm like, (laughs) I'm gonna quit, but I'm still so scared. Like, I'm like. (laughs) It's a good combo. Yeah. (laughs) And I mean, you started social media and doing it full-time in 2015, which I feel like back then, social media was totally different. Like, it was so different than what it is today. Like, what what was that like doing it full-time? Were people like, what are you doing? Because even now, people don't understand what I do. But I feel like back then, you didn't see as many people going full-time no. with social media. So like, how was it then compared to what it is today? Um, I feel like I'm like a little bit of a dinosaur.
1: I mean, you know, what makes me feel better because some, I hear some of my friends and they're like, I've been doing this for 12 years. I'm like, Oh my God. I'm, I'm like a baby in the, I you're like a super baby. I, actually, you're not a baby. You've been doing it a lot longer than me, but you're young, much younger than me. For me, social, like when we were growing, when I was growing up, it was not a thing. So right. we got Facebook. Facebook was invented when I was in college to give you like a timestamp on social media. And so when I first started doing this in 2015, I feel like people were really doing YouTube a ton. I feel like YouTube influencing was a thing. Instagram, unless you were one of the core key fashion bloggers, like OGs. Right wasn't really a thing. Blogs were really a thing and I didn't have a blog. So one of the things that was really different is I started writing a lot on Instagram. So I started writing really long captions and I still write really long captions. So I kind of treated Instagram as a micro blog because I didn't know how to set up a blog. And I was Mm -hmm. like, I'm not doing this. I don't like what's an affiliate link. Like all of this stuff was not around. Also just the difference in how you made money on Instagram was totally different. Like the systems and agencies, you know, and, and management teams and the contracts and all of that are so much more advanced now to do work on Instagram, as well as like FTC rules and all these rules surrounding, like doing this job in 2015, like you were like, PayPal me? I don't know. Or like, <laughs> it was like, fingers crossed, this like, fucking tea company is not scamming me. Like it was like, I, I only have one partnership that I regret. And it was from that time period. And it was because I just didn't know what the hell I was doing. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, I think it was just like, the internet was different. It wasn't to me like, there wasn't that many influencers, there just weren't that many. Right. So it was much easier to grow faster. And the platform was just way different. Now I feel like everybody, like every person has 10,000 followers.
0: I feel like everyone I know is like 10,000. I'm like, what's happening? (laughs) I know. No, that's so true. And did you have anyone to like navigate it with you? Cause it was so new. And like, like you said, you didn't have a blog. You kind of were just right. Treating Instagram as your blog. And like, paypaling brand, brands are paypaling you and stuff. Did you have someone kind of in the industry already that was helping you out or that you looked up to, or like, was this really just your first time learning everything as you went? No, I knew nothing. And I never followed bloggers
1: and I didn't really follow any influencers, the few that existed. And so I had no idea. So like when the, when people were like, we want to pay you money. I'm like, what? I like, I was so shocked. Thank God I negotiated, negotiated like contracts and things before in my old job. So I, I knew the business of marketing, but not social media at all. Um, one thing I will say is I had a couple of really good friends that I'd made in the fitness community that also started growing at the same time as me. So Mm. now I, now I don't, I'm not a fitness influencer. I'm just a lifestyle influencer. And I talk about like body image and feminism and and, and of course, sometimes wellness and whatever. But at the time, because I was just posting fitness stuff, there were a few fitness girls that grew at the same time as me. So we would just text each other like, what the hell is going on? Like, what do I do in this scenario? How do you make a contract? Like, what do I charge people?
0: It was, it was definitely the wild wild west. How did you figure that, like, do you think your marketing experience helped with like figuring out your rate for an Instagram post or something like that? Like, was that, and also back then, I don't even think stories were a thing, right? No, they weren't. Yeah, stories stories exist. We're so new too. Yeah, it's crazy. Like everything that's changed with social, but like, did that help you, your marketing background with like rates or no, because it wasn't involving social media stuff?
1: Um, yes. And I was always the person that was telling people to charge more. Um, and like, not because I knew about social media rates, just because I came from like an industry where I negotiated constantly. So I remember, so one of my first campaigns ever was like through a friend that worked at Samsung and she quoted me this insanely high rate, like too much, too high for like my following count. Like even now, I would, I would be like, that's insane. Even though yeah. like people get paid more on social now. So they, they gave me this obscene rate of, uh, uh, I was like, wait, <laughs> but I still negotiated up and she was like, okay. yeah, and, and like, you know, I mean, that was a rude awakening because, you know, not for another several years did I make that sort of money, but it was a lesson to me. And I think this goes across the board, whether you work in social or you work at the bank or whatever you do, I think, especially we as women don't ask for what we should be paid. And we are afraid because we don't want to come off as pushy or like, well, what if they, what if they don't give it to me? And then they like fire me because, you know, I asked for too much. That doesn't happen. Right. It doesn't happen. It's not a thing. Mm. And I actually feel like Asking for money, for more money, doing whatever you do, whether that's social or otherwise. To me, that is a huge green flag for an employer or, you know, whenever I ask for a rate from a brand or my, my management does, and they push back on it and they're like, kind of like, no, I'm like, well, that means you didn't think I was going to negotiate. And that's a problem for me.
0: Yeah, that's so true. Yeah. I, I mean, for me, that was definitely a lesson learned of negotiating for myself because I was like, okay, I'll do something for free product. Sure. Like I'll do a whole dedicated video for a free shampoo. And I'm like, okay, no, like, no, <laughs> like that is just, you have to really learn your worth. And that's kind of what I've been trying to tell a lot of people in the industry now that are just kind of getting started on it. I'm like, ask for a thousand dollars. And they're like, oh my God, that's so high. I'm like, no, it's not like, it's not that high for like your yeah. size. Like, even if you're just starting out, like, you know, I'll try to tell people like what to ask for and how to negotiate because I know that I wish that I did that when I was, you know, younger. I remember I had this one brand deal that they got on the phone. They're like, so how much are your rates for this? And it was on the phone. So I was even more nervous. Oh yeah. And I was like, Oh, like a couple hundred dollars or something. And they were just like, okay, yeah, that's fine. And I was like, oh, I knew I should have asked for more. Like if yep. that's just like that quick to say, okay, I'm like, I did it – like, I asked for way too low. And now, like, being in the industry for longer, I realized that it was really low. Yeah. But it's one of those things that it does take time to learn. Like, you do have to negotiate. And it's also one of those things that – I read this article. was, like, influencer marketing or the influencer industry would be taken more seriously if it was, like, mainly men in it. And, like, it would be one of those things that's, like – if it wouldn't be obscene to be charging this much if it was right. mainly like a men, a male dominated industry. And it's just like, that is so true because oh, yeah. it's just one of those things that they think that they can lowball because oh you're just posting a cute picture. Like, that's it. It's like, yeah, you know, it's, it's a like, lot of work.
1: Who do you think is paying for these hair extensions, bitch? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, I, uh, like we, the, the, the thing is is I think there is a discomfort in society, um, and in business, with women building things that look like empires that men build. And Mm -hmm. I think there's like a severe discomfort and it's like, I can guarantee you, I mean, my assistant summer, she had never worked in social media before she came and worked for me. And now that she works for me and with me, she's like, Oh, people have no idea. People Mm -hmm. have no idea the work that goes into it. They have no idea the amount of like knowledge and like, I mean, just experience that goes into this job and supporting a team with this job. And and I wish everyone could have a little bit of an insight into this beyond a pretty picture because totally. it is so much more.
0: A hundred percent. And I'm glad that it is starting to, it's more, it's being more recognized now. So yeah. I am glad for that. Um, And then also you started out, like you were saying with like fitness stuff and like that was your niche How has that like evolved today? Like, what do you, like, how did you go from fitness to still incorporating wellness, but being more lifestyle and like less fitness related?
1: I mean, to be honest, um, I I didn't feel like it was that authentic because everything I was saying was truly me. It was my words. It was my feelings. But what felt inauthentic to me is like, that wasn't, that was like 10% of my life. You know, right. I mean, how much can you talk about working out? How, yeah. how much can you talk about like smoothie bowls or whatever the hell I was talking about? Like, like it, it, to me, when I started talking more about body image, as it connected to wellness and fitness, that's when I started really getting closer to my community.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: I was finding that those things resonated, but how do you talk about body image without talking about mental health? Right. Right. How do you not talk, how do you talk about mental health when you don't talk about your self-worth as a woman? How, like these things are all connected. So when I started kind of branching out from a fitness account, it was a natural thing for me because I was like, oh, wait, this is, I want to share more of me and I want to share more of us and the things that connect us are more than a workout. Or like mm-hmm. leg day or whatever the hell. So for me, it was a natural progression. Um, I will be really honest. There was a big fear for me. in like I would lose a lot of people because I was transitioning. I literally changed the name of my account to my whole name rather than what it was. And really shifted my content. And I was really afraid to lose people. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people that transitioned kind of... I know a lot of like people that started out talking about food and they've transitioned to more of a lifestyle account or people that started in fashion and have transitioned to other things. And I was really worried, but truly like you're opening up the funnel of people that you can connect with. And Mm -hmm. I think that's like, people are always like niche down, niche down, niche down. And I I agree with that in, in some respects, but I also do know that you know, if you have a lot to say and you have a couple things you want to speak on, there's ways to incorporate those together.
0: Yeah. And I always think like people are so multifaceted that whenever people give the advice to niche down, I understand it to an extent and it can definitely bring success. But how long can you talk about one subject or how? Right many posts can you do about one subject or you know like there are people like I love food I love finding new cool like recipes or things to you know try or like restaurants but like that's not all I want to talk about and that's also not all I want to see like I want to be able to talk about that and also my favorite tv show and the outfit I'm wearing and how I've been feeling this week and I want to be able to talk about all of that because all of that relates to me and I think a lot of people can relate to that so I don't know, for me on social media, I'm one of those people that I like building that community, kind of like you were saying how you build that community online rather than just being a resource, you know, like I would love to be a resource, but I also want people to follow me for me and like get to know me personally rather than just my favorite, you know, outfits or whatever, you know, whatever category you're in. So I think it's the advice for niching down is good if that's what you want to do. But I don't yes. think it's like necessary. And I don't think you need to start with a niche necessarily. I think
1: niching down is great if you want to grow. Yeah. But but if growth isn't at the center and isn't a core value of your business, which it's not for me, mm-hmm. like I have been around the 150000 mark for a long time. Well, for a year probably. And it's so funny because people are like, how are you planning to grow? And I'm like, I don't care to grow. I make enough money where I'm at. I know the people I can actually, answer, I mean, I get a lot of DMs. I get 200, three, two to 300 DMs a day, but I at least can get to most of them. I know the people that comment and, and, and chime in. And that's what I like. Mm-hmm. My focus is community. It's not growth. And yeah. so if you're, if your main thing is growth, maybe niching down is really important because you'll attract more people like, you know, if you go to a page and you see it's all about body image, for example, that is the subject I talk about, but let's say it's all body image. Yes. Like you will probably grow faster because people want that targeted content, Mm -hmm. but I will say as a creator, I wouldn't want to just talk about one thing all the time. So for, for me to stay interested and feel inspired, I, as a, as a, human being need more than that. Um, So it's, it's to me, it's like, what, what's your, what's, what do you want? Do you want growth or do you want depth of community? I don't, and maybe you can do both, but I haven't seen, I haven't seen a person that just does one thing that has that sort of depth with their community. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, I mean, send me all the hate mail you want and tell me your favorite creator that talks about lasagna all the time. But, you know, I think, I think it's helpful to see kind of like the depth of people.
0: Completely. I couldn't agree more. Like I feel the exact same way. I'm way more focused on community than growth. Like I'm content where I am. If I grow great, but like, yeah, I honestly am very happy with the community I have and like fostering those relationships and like growing those is like more important than getting a million subscribers. You know, like I don't even know if I would want that. I'm like, that's just like too many people. (laughs)
1: Literally. I have a close friend that, um, is, you know, has a, a, almost 2 million people on Instagram. And like the shit she has to deal with, I'm like, oh my God, uh, like leave me and my 150,000 people in our corner, in our bad girl club. And like, I would not want that many eyes on everything that I'm doing.
0: Right. Exactly. I certainly
1: couldn't talk about sharding.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> I mean, maybe, maybe I would. <laughs>
0: You'd get a lot of opinions
1: on it. I mean, though, oh, that's for I, sure.
0: That's for sure. Oh my God.
1: Like, the, and she's a mom. And I'm just like, oh my God, you must get so many people sh- like m- explaining and mom shaming. Like, I'm mm-hmm. like, I can't handle it.
0: Yep. <laughs> and, how do you, so you do talk about like body image and confidence and self-love a lot. So how do you stay confident in the today's world? Because I feel like now with social media, it's like very easy to not be confident or to, you know, have your insecurities really like come out. So I like to word it as like, how do you practice confidence? Cause you're not going to be confident hundred percent of the time. And that is normal. That's human. So how do you practice confidence when you are feeling that way? I mean, I
1: think it depends on the day. So Mm -hmm. I think I see confidence as kind of like, um, imagine if you have like a tank that on some days you can fill up more than others. And on days where you're feeling confident, I think to really store that energy, almost like Mm -hmm. a bear hibernating for winter. It's like, okay, what are the Like, can I really lean into this? Because it doesn't come all the time. And so like, can I really work out of this confident space? And then I think on days when I'm less confident or I get in my own head, or I mean, to be honest, I've talked about body image for a really long time on social media. I started my account when I was like super in shape, fitness, like, like I was, I was so fit at, at the time, like not even like Thin because I don't equate thinness to fit. I was freaking jacked. I was like a little machine, but I was also really unhappy, mm-hmm. you know? And so I think talking about body image, it's been a long kind of journey with, with being super fit and being really unhappy with my body image and my confidence in myself because all my energy was getting spent on thinking about how fit I was or trying to like keep up with myself that it's been, it's been interesting because I went through this like kind of like bell shaped, bell shaped curve during the pandemic. So it was like, I thought I had everything figured out of like talking about body confidence and, and body image and all these things. And then the pandemic hit we, in New York, obviously, like, we're not going anywhere. There's, like, no, I mean, it was darkness of winter. We're not exercising that much. Like, I, like, gained weight, and I got so in my own head about body image, like, in the negative sense during this pandemic, and which was a real awakening for me because I was like, wait, I'm the person that's supposed to have this figured out. Mm-hmm. Like, I thought – I thought I had all my like neuroses around my body already ironed out. I thought I did that. Yeah. I thought I figured out that my joy wasn't linked to my body or that my worth wasn't. And the thing is, it's like, it's not, but I think we have to be forgiving to ourselves when our confidence falters, because it's not a perfect, it's not a fail-proof system. So that's why I say on days when you're really feeling confident to store that away for days that you don't. Um, And then I think also for me, it is recognizing the things in my life that make me feel confident. And what I realized is when I was feeling kind of like down during this time, my body was the easiest thing to pick on, but it wasn't actually the thing I was picking on. I was picking on the fact that I felt like lonely, unproductive. I was feeling depressed. I was feeling anxiety more than ever. And to be able to concentrate that frustration around my body was easy because Mm -hmm. it was familiar.
0: Yeah. And And so,
1: and so just being like, wait, that's not actually what I'm not feeling confident about. The thing I'm not feeling confident about is I feel like I'm standing still. That's an unusual feeling for me. I feel like I'm not being productive. That's a, a, a new feeling for me. I'm feeling lonely as an extrovert. That's a new feeling for me. But the one I could go back to easiest was oh, I gained weight, I'm I'm annoyed with myself, I'm not as athletic. But really, when I opened it up and it's like, okay, I actually need to deal with all of this other stuff. Me not feeling as like quote unquote fit really isn't the thing.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also I think with, like you were saying how you're like, I thought I had this all figured out. I think we think like, Oh, it's like a checklist. Like finally, okay. Body image check. Don't need to worry about that anymore. But like, it comes back like, Oh, totally. It's things that you have to constantly practice for your entire life. And you'll get better as it, at it, as like the years go on, but some days, some months might be worse than others, you know? So it's one of those things that you're really always having to work on yourself and like never feeling ashamed if some doubts or some insecurities come back because that's totally normal depending on the way the world is depending on what stage of life you're in you know so I think that's very 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 normal and do you have any like self-care habits that you do or do you have anything that you like do you meditate do you journal do you go to therapy like what are some things that you do that just like help you with you know the way that you're feeling um so
1: my best medicine is, um, other people and that's maybe just cause I'm an extrovert. And so for me, um, anytime I have, I have anxiety and I don't say that like lightly, I actually like take medicine yeah. for anxiety. Um, I, I think my natural inclination is when I'm my, when my, I'm my most anxious self, I go inward and inward reflection isn't bad, but I think it lacks a lot of perspective Mm -hmm. and other people give you perspective, whether that's good or bad to be determined, but people that you love in your trust and trust give you good perspective. And so for me, one of my biggest things of self-care is I made an agreement with myself, particularly at the beginning of this year is to consistently check in with people that I love. Um, Maybe they'd tell you almost to an annoying point, Um, but not just to catch up about what's going on, but to almost be so in touch that you actually have the space to tell someone what's really going on with you.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And I think That's the differentiation I used to always call my friends just to like, be like, so how's work? So how's the baby? So how's your boyfriend? And when you only catch up once in a while, that's what happens Yeah, because the hour gets filled with details. But when during this panty, Mm -hmm. I was like, I'm going to try to talk to my friends more often and after you've talked three times in a week, you can't ask how the dog's doing anymore. You know, you have to kind of get into it and talk about other things. And so that's been really helpful and also strong A pluses across the board for therapy and medication if you need oh, yeah. it.
0: Yeah. I completely agree. And with calling your friends, like, do you just pick up the phone and call them? Do you schedule time? Like how do you, I guess as someone who never like picks up the phone and just calls someone randomly, I'm like, do you just pick up the phone and, like call yeah. them with no, no, like, hey, I'm going to, is this time working
1: or? <laughs> literally, I told all of my friends, like, if you can't talk, don't pick up the phone, don't feel stressed about it. And like, I'll just keep calling you. Yeah. And that's literally what I do. Anytime I get in my car, I pick up the phone and call someone. And at first I think people were like, oh, this is like a thing that we're doing in our friendship now. And I will say the friends that I call consistently, our friendship has grown this year and I've seen them the least I've seen them in our entire relationship,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: but I feel more deeply connected to people by the consistency of the, of the friendship. And so, yeah, I just call people. I think
0: when you can pick up the phone and go, I was just thinking about you. Mm -hmm. I think that's an amazing thing. I need to start doing that more because I'm one of those people that I'm like, oh, I'm so busy. Like I'll schedule a FaceTime and that's just so, it's one of those where you're like, how's your girlfriend? How's your, you know, dog? How's your, it's that type of conversation. I feel like normally when you schedule it, it's just like catching up on life, but not, you're not even getting, you're not catching up on anything, you know? So I think that. I'm going to start doing that more because I definitely need to start implementing that. And I think it can help with like feeling lonely also, especially like totally. during this time. And I think, I think another thing, start
1: having phone calls that are shorter, Yes, shorter, like, because I think what scares me about scheduling time is I'm like, okay, this is going to be an hour or two of a phone call. Literally, I'll call my girlfriends and I'll say, I have five minutes. I'm literally like dropping the dog off at daycare. Um, But I just like, I was thinking about this thing. Like, what do you think about this? And then I'm like, okay, I got to go. And you just are like, I mean, I know that that's like, seems like impersonal, but I think the familiarity makes you feel close. It's just like, hey, I've got five minutes just popping on to say hi. All right, I'm here. Talk to you later. Click. Totally. Yeah. There's no pressure with it. It's great. It's great.
0: I'm going to start doing it. No, Do it. I'm I'm going to. And before we go, what is some advice that you would give your younger self? Whether and you can pick the time frame of when you would give this advice, but just something you would tell yourself a few years ago.
1: I I would say actually and this is not that much younger, but I think even last year, you know, before this all started, I would say like you're, you need to really dig into the things that are of value to you minus your work. Mm -hmm. Uh, Um, because I mean, obviously I don't know what your experience was, but there was a big time this year with everything that was going on that work kind of like, first of all, slowed down, but then also, you know, it just the timing wasn't great, especially like during the summer of like George Floyd protests and BLM and all that. I really wanted to focus my energy on talking about those things rather than making money. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, even with COVID and then with the election and all of this kind of all these things that have happened, I didn't I didn't realize how lucky I was to not have my worth be tied up into my work.
0: Yeah. That's actually really true. Yeah. It puts things in perspective when you think of the events that have gone on and how you even were able to spend energy on other things, you know? So I think that that's, that's really, really true. I love that. And, you know, advice to your younger self could be even from a month ago. Like, you know, it doesn't have to be from, Oh, when I was five years old, like it can, be from any time frame. So thanks for sharing that. Yeah, of course. This well, was amazing. thank you so much for coming on my podcast. This was great. Where can they find you and also your podcast? Okay. My podcast is
1: press M podcasts an advice um, advice based podcast that we bring guests on and answer questions. You can listen to our episode if you want to start off with that one. And then you can find me on all the social things at Shanae Alexander. It's C-H-I-N-A-E Alexander, the normal way
0: awesome thank you thank you all right guys thank you so much for listening i hope that you guys enjoyed this episode again if you did enjoy it be sure to give it five stars on apple Podcasts. follow us on instagram at the real real podcast and i will see you guys next monday on another episode with the (laughs) i will see you guys next monday on another episode of the real real podcast bye guys (laughs)